From the campus of Harvard Medical School, this is Think Research, a podcast devoted to the stories behind clinical research. I'm Abby. And I'm Brendan, and we're your hosts. Think Research is brought to you by Harvard Catalyst, Harvard University's Clinical and Translational Science Center. And by NCATS, the National Center for Advancing Translational Sciences. The COVID-19 pandemic has highlighted long-standing inequities and disparities in Massachusetts. On today's episode, Dr. Gina Cruz, the program faculty for the Community Engagement Program at Harvard's Clinical and Translational Science Center and assistant professor at Harvard Medical School and Mass General Hospital, speaks with Eddie Taborda, Senior Clinical Research Coordinator at Mass General Hospital, Rosie Torres, Patient Service Coordinator at Mass General Hospital Everett Family Care, and Daniel Cortez, Community Engagement Specialist for the Chelsea Police Department, about their work with the NIH-funded Rapid Acceleration of Diagnostics in Underserved Populations Project, or RADxUp, which aims to expand COVID-19 testing through community health center community partnerships in hard-hit Massachusetts communities. They share community and clinical perspectives, highlight the challenges and opportunities of implementing their project during the COVID-19 pandemic, and conclude with recommendations for strengthening community academic partnerships, particularly during public health crises. Rosie, Dan, and Eddie, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I'm really excited about the opportunity to discuss our RADx Up initiative, which we'll talk a little bit more in a second about what RADx Up is. Um, to start off with, let's go around and, and introduce our, our guests today. Um, let's start with you, Rosie, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself, your role, and, and institution. Hi, my name is Rosie Torres. I'm from Everett MGH Family Care. I've been here since 2017. Hi everyone, my name is Dan Cortez. I'm the Community Engagement Specialist for the Chelsea Police Department. I'm also the coordinator of the Chelsea Hub and also a member of the Chelsea Project. My name is uh, Eddie Taborda. I'm the Senior Clinical Research Coordinator for the RADx Up Initiative. And I'm also the Operations Manager for Mass General Brigham Mobile Vaccine Operations. We're going to set the stage with a little bit of background for our discussion today. Um, We know the COVID pandemic did not affect all communities equally, and 2020 was a year that really highlighted severe disparities in health that afflict our country, Um, and and, um, Massachusetts was no exception. Um, To start off with, I want to hear from from our partners a little bit about the key challenges that you and your community faced with regard to testing and vaccination in your in your communities over this past 16 to 18 months. Um, let's start off with you, Dan. It's It's been a whirlwind. Um, as many people know, Chelsea was hit probably the hardest or, or as hard as anybody else in Massachusetts and really throughout the country. Um, early on, uh, a colleague of mine, Mimi Graney, who's uh, our downtown coordinator, it's it just, just an example of how everyone had to wear different hats because of COVID. She reached out to me and we, um, needed to come up with the plan to assist the city manager on how we were going to develop a COVID response team. So we did that and it was all hands on deck. Everybody joined that group. Uh, it was a daily call at four o'clock and we, we just were triaging. We were, you know, just trying to figure out what to do uh, in, in every regard. And the team, uh, the, that whole team really came together. New partnerships were formed. 
So while we got hit very hard, we responded, I think, very admirably and developed new ways of doing things in the city. Thanks, Dan. Rosie, can you tell us a little bit about the, um, the challenges that you faced um, and you and your team in Everett? Here in Everett, uh, well, first, when the pandemic first started, I was deployed to Chelsea, to the RIC, and I was able to see COVID firsthand, how it was affecting different communities and all the initiative there. But then I was redeployed back to my office and just small things like they were looking for to do a mask up video with someone in the community. Um, where can we deliver food to? And I was the to-go person in the office since I've been raised here in Everett. So I was able to use, my office pretty much looked up to me to find, help them find and create new relationships. And then with the red opportunity happened, um, my office director, our medical director, Dr. Stratton said, you're a to-go person, how we could form these communities and how we can reform these relationships. And that's kind of how I became more involved into the community aspect. Great, thanks. Um, so I'm gonna talk a little bit about some of the key challenges around testing primarily in, in our area um, and, and tell folks a little bit more about the Radix Up initiative um, that we've all been working together on. Um, so right now, you've, even as things are starting to reopen, testing isn't quite as much at the forefront of people's thoughts, but thinking back to a year ago, that certainly wasn't the case. Um, initially, we, we know initially as, as the pandemic um, started to affect Massachusetts, that um, testing bandwidth was limited, um, testing criteria were very restrictive, but as more and more testing um, volume came online, the challenge was in making it accessible to everyone equitably. Um, just to look back at the numbers and what's changed in terms of testing volume, um, which is the, the, the main focus of our Radix Up project, um, I look back to see a year ago, testing volume was about 17, um, according to the mass.gov website, testing volume was about 17,700 antigen tests um, done on July 6, 2020. Once the testing volume came online, then the challenge was with getting the tests to people where um, the people who needed it most. Um, overall, the, just a huge number of tests have been done in the state of Massachusetts. Um, overall, as of, as of July 1 data, all, over 23,800,000 molecular tests have been done in Massachusetts, those are the PCR tests, um, which is just a huge amount of testing. Um, so what the Radix Up project does with regard to testing and community partners is Radix Up is a funding opportunity from the NIH. It's part of this um, series of funding opportunities um, called Radx, which stands for Rapid Acceleration of Diagnostics. Um, a lot of it was um, focused on accelerating testing technology, but the Radix Up piece of the program, the Up stands for underserved populations. So the Radix Up initiative is part of that, um, those NIH funding opportunities specifically sought applicants proposing a community partnered approach to test to accelerating testing and diagnostics in underserved communities. Um, it sought to develop strategies to find um, researchers and research programs to develop strategies to reduce disparities in COVID testing by leveraging projects that had existing community partnerships. Um, for our proposal, uh, we leveraged our Implementation Science Center for Cancer Control Equity, which is a partnership between researchers at Massachusetts General Hospital, the Harvard Chan School of Public Health, and our partners at the Mass League of Community Health Centers, which is um, for um, folks not familiar, that's the primary care association for Massachusetts community health centers. 
And we, we leverage that existing relationship and also recognizing that um, many of the communities served by MGH were especially hard hit by the pandemic. For except we also um, partnered with the community health centers served by, the, by um, MGH affiliated community health centers in the communities of Rear, Chelsea, Everett, and Charleston. And um, that relationship is how we connected with um, Rosie and Dan. Um, the, our, our implementation science center for cancer control equity, as the name suggests, is an implementation science focused research project. So that meant for RADx up, what we were aiming to do was to study um, the implementation of expanded testing opportunities and not only to study testing volume and impact that way, but also to look at the equity of, of who was being reached with, with testing initiatives. And um, the, the project really um, focused on kind of three main activities to, to do that, to expand testing and, and testing equity. Um, the first was um, sending resources to community health centers to, um, to ex expand testing um, availability and, and giving them the flexibility to meet the needs of their local communities. So in some centers that was expended hours or weekend hours, in some centers that was mobile efforts, which is the form that it took on in the MGH Community Health Center partnerships. In other centers, it was streamlining existing workflows to get more people through with existing services. We really wanted to give them the flexibility to meet the local needs. Um, the next huge piece was to understand what those local needs were, um, was to encourage our community health center partners to convene a local advisory group. Um, the local advisory group, um, with the local advisory group, we asked the community health centers to identify partners within their communities, um, partners that represented or served priority populations that were disproportionately affected by the pandemic. And to, to hold those meetings to hear from the community, from the people on the ground, where the needs are and, and to generate ideas about how to best address um, pandemic response, particularly testing, but other, other um, aspects of the, the um, pandemic response as well. Um, and then, uh, so, so the, the kind of the three main activities with RADx up were one, this expanded testing, two, convening these local advisory groups to make those connections and kind of have that ability to have that grassroots response by really hearing what the challenges are. And then the third piece was supporting um, some communication materials. So either materials given out at the testing site or materials that community partners shared um, out in those communities to address um, informational needs around testing and pandemic response. Um, I'm actually, I'm gonna hand it over to my, my partner, Eddie, now to talk a little bit about um, in our RADxUp project, the process of um, identifying and working with partners for the RADxUp activities. Um, one of the critical pieces when establishing uh, partnerships and identifying our partners was uh, uh, performing a needs assessment, which was to see what the, uh, what the community partners needed, what the populations that we were working with needed um, as far as uh, locations, um, you know, where to go, what worked for people as far as like weekends or late evening hours, um, what type of material people needed, you know, whether it was um, language competent, you know, like for anybody that's not an English speaker, um, you know, the translations that they would need. And also um, when it came to subpopulations, um, you know, like religious groups, um, immigrant you know groups that we work closely with specifically in you know these specific communities that we're in so um, within mgh we already had um those established partnerships with the community health centers um with city of revere city of everett chelsea and the community in charlestown 
And uh, within those health centers, they already had um, partnerships established with local organizations, um, food pantry organizations, um, veteran services, disability services, and even with the city themselves, um, from the mayor all the way down to city council and everybody involved in um, that, including Department of Public Health, uh, Department of Public Works, everybody that had to do with the infrastructure, um, knowing where to go as far as locations. Um, and it all really evolved. Um, instead of us going directly through the community um, health center directly, we would sometimes um, communicate with our partners themselves. Um, a big advantage um, that we had with um, you know, during this time frame was actually the use of technology, most specifically Zoom, to be able to hold um, those meetings, uh, phone calls, um, given social distancing and all those limitations and barriers that came um, that were present at the time. Um, we always communicated, um, sometimes on a daily basis, weekly basis, um, talking about um, specific situations with um, like subpopulations. Um, for example, immigrant population or um, on home populations and knowing really how to get there and how to target them, how to communicate with them, how to be culturally competent. So it all, it was a, a working relationship between everybody. Um, obviously coming from a clinical health setting into a community setting, um, there was things that needed to be learned, um, things that needed to be thought about. And having that association, that work and relationship with the community partners really enhanced our ability to actually try to make a difference in, in our initiative. So it was um, a collective effort, ultimately, and it all ended up working towards at the end. And we're still here um, moving forward, still with testing, vaccination, and hopefully in the future, we'll be able to keep collaborating in other efforts. Thanks, Eddie. With, with that background, let's, let's dive into the conversation a little bit more. Um, to start off with, I wanted to hear from Rosie and Dan about your experience working with this, this team and the academic partners for this testing expansion activity. Um, why don't we start with you, Dan? So I always like to use the, the analogy of the old Reese's commercials where the guy walking down the street with peanut butter bumps into the guy walking down the street with chocolate and they get mad at each other for bumping to each other but they didn't they quickly realized they developed a really good product right and so that's sort of what happened with us we we uh i mentioned the chelsea project earlier with what that was was a group that formed as as a result of covid and it was a very informal group that um quickly uh developed its uh presence in the community um specifically through through um or, or in particular through uh, our, an effort we had in, in monitoring our wastewater. That was a group uh, that was formed uh, between MIT, Harvard, uh, MAPC, and us in the city of Chelsea. Um, I had a previous relationship with, with um, Karthik Dinakar from MIT and uh, 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 CCI, the Center for Complex Interventions, through the hub, and it's a group that we, we have here in Chelsea to solve complex issues, right? So we formed a group and we were trying to uh, figure out what we could do uh, in, in the city to support, uh, you know, the city manager, the, the city of Chelsea and in this COVID response. And one of the things that we looked at was wastewater monitoring and also a, a community response through a Promotora health worker program as well. So 
when they had learned about uh, the wastewater monitoring, they reached out and uh, that's when the relationship formed. We at the time um, were looking at ways that we could do mobile testing, right? There was already, there already, there was already ample testing in the city of Chelsea with stop the spread sites, but they were not mobile, right? Uh, in terms of going where the, the wastewater monitoring was telling us uh, we should be. And so that was a perfect relationship that was formed. And we, uh, you know, ended up selecting some, uh, some areas where we considered them to be hotspots and then also uh, some community events. And it was very, very successful in terms of how we were able to move the van around uh, to meet the particular need. Rosie, can you tell us a little bit about your experience working with the, the RAD XEP project and, this, and, the, and the mobile testing efforts? Um, for me, it's been a very positive experience. I've been able to be more involved in the community, make new partnerships, um, form new relationships. I've been able to go to just the corner stores, just going in personally and handing them out the flyers and the information that I've been able to receive from the meetings. I've been able to print them out, bring them to businesses. And they've had questions and it's more of a one-on-one. It's not oh, he said, they said, it's more, oh, this is personal. I could actually get them information and any questions they have, they're able to ask me freely because they see me as more of their partner, their friend, not being told what to do. It's more, well, this is the information. If you have any questions, please let us know. What else can we do to help you? And the business owners, they really appreciate, even the workers, they appreciate us being able to offer testing sites uh, that was close to them that during they could take a two minute break from work, walk over, get tested. Um, they had any questions, they know they just could come over and it's just being able to form those new relationships that many of them already said to me, I know this is COVID, but can we continue these relationships? And I said to them, I'm willing to continue the relationship because I think we're going back to the old way of things. People, yes, technology is good. But sometimes just having the personal interaction, that's very important to keep on having. Yeah, that's, that's great to hear. Um, can you, and well, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how, um, how that personal relationship and, and being able to sort of go talk to people one-on-one, -on -one, how that compares or contrasts to other um, either research projects or other pro programs or initiatives um, in, in Everett. Um, many people are tired of doing surveys. Um, they feel that you do surveys and for some reason they feel it goes to la la land. Um, they feel that when you go personally and ask them the question, you're really there for them and you're on the same level and they feel more personalized. Um, I think that's a difference because many of them said, oh, we received surveys, but we don't like to answer them or I don't know how to answer it. I don't understand those questions that they're asking is so vague. And being able to go personally and them, if they don't understand the question, they could ask you, can you re-explain that to me? Like one of the main questions is, do I still need to get tested? I've been vaccinated twice. And I say, yes, if you have any symptoms, you should continue to be tested. And then I'm able to give them different sites where they could be tested. Um, so I'm able to, you know, they're able to ask those questions personally and they feel more comfortable. Yeah, it did, it did seem like just a, an amazing match between identifying where the um, increased testing needs were and having something that could bring the testing there. 
how has this, uh, this the RADXF project, how does it compare with other um, kinds of research projects or other projects or initiatives that you've worked on, Dan? Well, I think everything is different, right, in terms of uh, anything that you may have worked at pre-COVID and, uh, and then since. So I think one of the, the most, to me, awesome, unique things is how it's partnered, you know, these individuals that you didn't think you would ever have a conversation with, you know, whether they be doctors, high-level researchers, you know, really, uh, you know, to, to a layman like me, uh, really important people, uh, and having them listen intently to what you think should be happening on the ground. So I think those relationships are the future. I think uh, partnering uh, institutions uh, with people on the ground is incredible. One a good example of that is the work of our promotores, right? They're, these are basically people that we, um, you know, uh, hired uh, from the community with no public health experience. And they've, they went through, a, uh, you know, some training and, and pretty soon they're partnered up with doctors and nurses and researchers from Harvard. I mean, from MGH, um, you know, jointly trying to convince people that they should get tested and, and vaccinated. That's, that's pretty incredible stuff. And that's the kind of, um, you know, health platform that we want to uh, maintain and, and, and really grow in the city of Chelsea. That's great to hear. I, I, I think from the researcher perspective that that's, um, I would also count that in the amazing stuff category. I mean, I think that's just what so many, so many people are hungry for is that connection with what's happening on the ground and the ability to really hear what the needs are and try and try and match um, the research that's being done to the actual needs on the ground. Um, so yeah, I, I would definitely count that as amazing stuff. Um, my next question um, is, is to hear a little bit from everyone about what were the biggest challenges or surprises that you've encountered during, during the, the, the project, during the process of implementing this mobile testing um, operation? Um, why don't we start with you, Rosie? The most challenging part for me was being able to have the relationship with the city. I didn't think it was going to be so difficult to reach the health department. And I didn't realize how many individuals were included in the decision making. Um, so that was a learning process for me. Once we were able to create the relationship and think, you know, outside the boxes, go to our local churches, let's go to our local community centers and going for the people for different aspects opened up a better doors of opportunity to understand, to have better understanding for the need of Everett. And I can honestly say now we're getting to the point that people are reaching out. Um, everybody knows about our mobile van um, and has opened up door so there was a lot of surprising learning curves and I'm just taking the positive aspect of it that I hope in the future I, I foresee in the future there's going to be more communication with the community because sometimes people just hear what doctors researchers says but sometimes they forget that we need to go to our people and ask and figure out what are the needs of our people and with this project I was able to embrace that and see where the most need has been needed. And now I have community leaders reaching out to me instead of me reaching out to them. So I think that's a positive surprise for me at the end. 
Yeah, I want to echo uh, what Rosie said about the importance of having that community input. Um, you know, we were fortunate to have had that working relationship with our city leadership, uh, with our city manager's office. Uh, Tom Ambrosino is just a fantastic city manager and very uh, inclusive in terms of key decision making. Right. Um, so and it, I guess it helped that I, I, I work for the city. I, I'm a city employee with the, at, at the Chelsea Police Department. So that that was helpful. Um, so I think one of our biggest challenges early on was where to put the van. Right. So we had uh, we have four uh, uh, places where we uh, pull um, samples from in the city. And, you know, the city is so small that we could have really picked any location. One of the first locations that we picked was the uh, food pantry, the pop up food pantry that was set up uh, through La Colaborativa on 6th Street. Uh, There were a a ton of people that were um, that were in line to those food pantries on a daily basis. So the assumption was made that, well, all these people are here, we'll set up the van and they'll get tested. But we quickly learned that a lot of folks were, they didn't want to be in that line, right? They wanted to hurry up and get their box and go. And so um, that didn't necessarily mean that they were also going to get tested, waiting at another line to get tested. So as creative as we got, we realized that that while uh, that seemed like a good idea, we needed a shift course. And so we ended up putting the van in our downtown area where there was uh, where lots of traffic. And it's also where, you know, COVID was spiking in terms of our, uh, of our wastewater uh, monitoring. So that ended up being a really good location and it created a, a really good vibe in the downtown area, uh, uh, you know, where we would easily convince people to get tested. One of the challenges that, one of the other challenges that we, that we, had to deal with were people that felt that, well, I was tested, you know, months ago, <laughs> I don't need to get tested again. So uh, through our promotores who were there working with the, you know, the, the vaccination awareness team, the MGB vac- vaccination awareness team, we were able to have these one-on-one conversations with, with passers-by basically and, and convincing them to get tested. And as our city manager put it, those are people that otherwise wouldn't have been tested that day. So because the van was in a, in a key location and plus we, and, and that we had uh, individuals uh, that reflected the community having one-on-one engagements with, uh, you know, people that were just literally passing by, we were able to convince a lot of folks to get tested. That, that's the same is true in terms of vaccinations. Um, I also wanted to add to Dan, um, I was also working there at the Chelsea location in the downtown area. And it also helped having what you said, the promontories, um, being able to communicate with the people that were passing by. Um, Spanish speakers, um, we had music sometimes playing in the background. So there was a sense of excitement. Um, people wanted to be there. Uh, they didn't mind waiting. You know, while our clinical team was focusing on, you know, doing registration, um, collecting social determinants um, information, and then the actual testing piece, um, that collaboration that we had with the partners, whether it was the collaborative uh, Green Roots and those volunteers, that working relationship really enhanced um, the overall operation and our capabilities. Um, the volume of people showing up, uh, the kind of questions that were coming around, um, even you know, this was during testing time, but it was also a time where we were communicating with them. It's like, hey, the vaccine's also coming down the line, um, how to talk about, you know, like combating hesitancy a little bit. 
um, and just building that trust and that relationship um, between the hospital and, you know, the whole academic system and the communities that we were in. And um, I also wanted to add, as far as um, barriers, one that really stood out to me was um, when, when picking locations, um, with Chelsea, we were very fortunate just because we did have that working relationship, but there was other situations we ran into where we had a location identified. It was a um, heavy foot traffic area, an area of need, but the issue was getting the van there um, because there was, you know, businesses, lot owners, um, they started asking about costs, about permits, um, who's in the van, what kind of equipment do you have in the van? Um, and sometimes these would take days on even weeks, even up to a month sometimes actually to be able to just set up the van there just because of that pushback we got from whoever owned that piece, that land or that lot. Um, and that was just a difficult situation that we had to deal with and we had to improvise, um, you know, looking for other places or working a little bit closer with the city uh, for them to be able to help us, um, you know, execute what we were trying to do in that specific area. I just want to uh, also highlight a little bit of what Eddie said in terms of people working together and creating a, uh, you know, a uh, festive atmosphere because people, people, especially the people we're trying to reach, you know, predominantly Latino individuals, they want to be in an area that is festive, right? So if you think about it, a testing van is the least festive thing that you could possibly have. So we were, you know, uh, just having a good conversation and talking about music. Why can't, you know, let's get some salsa music or some Latino music, Latin music going. And, uh, uh, you know, things like that. It was quick response and everybody, uh, even from the transport company, everybody was involved in, in, in conversations that led to really good results. And also it just proves the point that when people are physically together on a regular basis, they develop good relationships and they come up with better solutions to complex issues rather than maybe a monthly, you know, health meeting or, or, you know, even over zoom, when you're together, you have these wonderful conversations and really good things happen and you find out the pulse of the community. I, I love that example, Dan. I, I um, as somebody who, often spend some time working on kind of the research logistics and IRBs and things like that. I, I was lucky to, to be able to go help out on the testing van from time to time. And I remember when the music was implemented and thinking, yeah, of course the, you know, the research team was not going to think of this, but it just, it completely changed the way it felt. And, you know, the sort of positive smiles with people coming by or, or you know, whether they were using the service or not. Um, so yeah, just that, that feeling on the ground really can't be replaced by just a Zoom meeting. I totally agree. I was gonna add one more um, kind of surprise or challenge from the research perspective as well is that, that kind of highlights one of the unique um, components of this Radex Up project. As a, as a research project, it also had a heavy service orientation in this project. And so it was not just intending to study um, vaccine or excuse me, testing rollout. Um, it also had the ability to sort of send resources out to study what works to get testing expanded in real time as a service. I wanted to move on to hear a little bit more about um, how folks think the, the initiative has impacted the communities. In Chelsea, it has helped us uh, tremendously. We um, not only were able to move the van to key locations, but we were 
able to, and this is something that, you know, the Radix, Eddie and, and uh, Sam and Priya did on their own. Um, and maybe it was helped by relationships that were built, but they were able to uh, be part of key events uh, uh, in the community. And, and it just became this automatic thing, you know, it was, it was, you know, there'll be times where I would, you know, find out that the van was going to be at this particular event. And, and it's just amazing how, how, how quickly that, that group adapted to the community. So it was really beneficial in that regard. So if the community wanted the, either the testing, uh, you know, van or vaccination van in a particular location, they knew who to reach out to and, and it was done pretty, pretty fluidly. And that was really incredible for us. But in addition to that, you know, we've developed a really good relationship with Eddie and with, um, with Sam and Priya, and, and they have benefited also from the research that is being done through, you know, wastewater monitoring and, um, you know, the folks at MIT, C, you know, CCI, as well as, uh, you know, MAPC, it's, it's just created this, um, it's almost like this team uh, of people doing, doing work. As a matter of fact, we're having an event on Friday uh, where we're bringing together folks uh, that are doing research and, and response in the community and, and what we've learned and, and how we can move forward in those efforts. And I think this is just from my learnings about mobilizing communities. It helps when there is a place where something can land, right? Um, you know, you often hear groups that are trying to attach themselves in, into a community and they don't know who to reach out to first. You know, is it the city? Is it, is it the local health institution? Um, I think what was helpful in Chelsea is that there were these platforms uh, where where uh, things could easily land. Like, for example, the the Chelsea Project, which is that partnership of all those entities, um, was a place that Radix could additionally land. Obviously, they were already they had already established good relationships not only with the health center, but also with the city. But it, it helps when something is happening that you can attach yourself to. And maybe that's, maybe that's uh, a learning for future efforts. You know, who's doing similar work? Because, um, you know, for example, if you attach yourself to one group, it may not yield the best results. And then you may have, uh, you, you may have to spend a lot of time trying to figure out who else you need to attach yourself to. I think, I think it's an interesting point. And I know it kind of echoes um, something I've, I've heard um, in earlier brief conversations with you, Rosie, is sort of thinking about, um, you know, there's all these, so many groups have come together and COVID gave us this shared space and the shared mission that we were all working on together from all these different, you know, with all these different goals and programs in mind. Um, curious what, what you guys think, <laughs> as you know, that while the pandemic has not gone away, it's still very much affecting us in our daily lives. Are there going to be opportunities to have that same kind of shared space to hook into going forward? And what what might those look like? And how might we leverage some of what we've learned, either from Radix up or the other amazing community-based research that's happened through the pandemic, um, to, to sort of keep the momentum going and keeping this connection with what's going on in the ground and hearing really directly from people what the needs are and, and how things fit? I guess that's a, that's a long-winded question just to say, how do you think, um, do you think there's going to be opportunities for another kind of infrastructure, kind of shared mission for things to plug into to keep these kinds of programs going 
even as um, we're not always working on the COVID pandemic. I think that's our number one goal, right? Uh, at least for the Chelsea project, you know, how can we support the city, the public health um, department, you know, our public health director in any health issue, right? And uh, how can we take advantage of these incredible teams, incredible efforts that were put together because of COVID and these, uh, you know, silo busting, you know, conversations, initiatives that, that, that we've had and, and the, the improvement of relationships between health institutions and, and you know, cities and, and nonprofits. Everybody knows each other now. And if we don't take advantage of that, then that, that would be sad. I, I don't think anyone is, is not looking forward to that. I think everyone is looking forward to it. Um, the concern is complacency, you know, when things do, let's say they magically all go away and the variants, nothing, everything goes away. If we go back into our silos, then this would have been, a lot of this would have been done in vain. How can we take advantage of, of, you know, this real drive to improve public health outcomes in a city, whether they're, you know, as Eddie mentioned earlier, obesity, substance use, mental health, um, you know, any health issue, just regular stuff too, like making sure people get their flu vaccine. We, we're working towards uh, that, that uh, public health infrastructure. Through this whole process, I feel like it's going to be a new future of how we going to work together. I think that among us in the communities, I think state, local, I think everyone learned that we need each other to make to make things better and to make things happen. And just like Dan said, the relationships and being able to latch on to another um, event and just being an extra arm. Um, I feel like in the future, I don't see this going away. I think it's gonna be a new thing of new way of doing things. We need to work together, communicate. And I see this being the new, I really do feel the new future. Um, I have. Right now I have people in Everett, they're looking out for me, they're seeking out for me. Before they didn't know who, you know, that we were here in the office. They will walk by, or next to the post office, people will be walking by us all the time. Now people actually stop by, hey, can I have the schedule for the testing site? Oh, do you know the schedule for the vaccine? Um, do they have me have Pfizer only? People are more educated now. They know what to ask for, what they're looking for, and one of the reasons is, is because we had the mobile vans, we had different people walking in the community sharing what was going on. So education is definitely the key. And I feel like this is gonna be a new future is communication. And I don't see it going away. I really do feel like we're gonna be more team and I think it'll be more group efforts. We've been talking a little bit about recommendations and next steps and what our hopes are for these sorts of partnerships going forward. Um, I'd like to hear from everyone uh, some thoughts on how the research community and academic institutions in particular can be effective partners to local communities, both in, in response to public health emergencies like we've been dealing with, but, but other health activities as well. You know, as I, as I mentioned, um, that is a big goal of ours. I think what has happened and what should continue to happen is for these relationships that have been formed, that have been developed to continue, right? Um, because 
without those relationships, then, then you have this effort of, of, you know, academia or, or, or you, know, re, you know, researchers or, or health institutions trying to figure out, they have meetings on trying to figure out how to better be integrated into the community or have a, have a, how to have a better, you know, response from the community or what, what should we be researching, you know, things like that. But when you have, when you break bread together and, you, and you're, you're meeting on a regular basis out in the street, um, you know, those relationships form, as I've mentioned a lot. Uh, and, and that's how new ideas form. Like the relationship that we have with Priya and Sam um, through the, you know, the Chelsea project is incredible. And we're coming up with different things that we could be doing um, and how we can use this research uh, better. And again, it's part of the reason why we're putting this form together uh, so we can take advantage of, of everything that we've learned and all the great work that everyone has done. But how can researchers be talking to researchers, right? You know, so we're not siloed in the work that we're doing, right? Everybody's using Chelsea as sort of a lab, if you will. And we need to bring all the lab partners together at homeroom and say, all right, guys, meet each other. You know, let's, let's get to know each other and let's see how this work can, can, um, can be done collaboratively um, and in a way that has a greater, broader impact on the community. And then uh, just to echo um, everything you just said, it makes me think a little bit about theory versus practice. Um, there's a lot of ideas out there, but once you're actually out in the field and you start working with people, um, figuring out workflows, protocols, a lot of the ideas that, you, um, that were brought up initially or that were thought of um, don't necessarily always work. So there's always that readjustment period and I believe to really maximize that, you need to have, um, you know, that inclusiveness of having both, you know, the thinkers also being practitioners and vice versa. And hopefully that will, you know, really elevate, you know, what we're trying to do ultimately. One way to say that is from the work plan that everybody is too familiar with to the work, you know, get out there and meet people. That's well said. Um, yeah, I think it really is just eye-opening to, to be there on the ground and hear from people. Um, I was going to add also from the, from the research perspective, um, I think one of the things that we found through this RADXUP project, both through the MGH partnerships and then the other partnerships we're working with through RADXUP around the state is the one size does not fit all. And, and even as we've worked with RADX up to set, to, to um, work with the community health centers to make space for these community partnerships, the way that those partnerships communicate and work together has evolved over the, the project, even in this first, first year. And so baking into those activities, the flexibility to meet the needs at the moment, I think really can um, is, is important to, to keeping those relationships relevant and to keeping people invested in, in the work. And sort of what I mean by that is, you know, as, as, the, as this project started, it, um, we had the partnerships meeting with local advisory groups once a month as testing needs evolve. You know, the, you know it's, it's a point where maybe once a month isn't the right fit for, for what people are thinking about testing or for those meetings to shift over to other, other topics besides testing and really having the space or, or recognizing, you know, maybe that other people need to be at the table in that conversation. So 
you know, I think as, as these relationships and partnerships and the space to have those connections are, are developed, making sure that they can evolve and adapt to the changing needs of the community, which everything's changed so rapidly through this pandemic. I think that's probably a lesson everybody's learned, I suppose, but, um, but, but it seems like it's been really key, not just, and not always something we do in research. Like often you set up your trial and you wanna do it exactly the same way throughout the whole study period. And with this kind of implementation work that we've been doing in the pandemic, having the flexibility to sort of shift what we're doing as the needs evolve has been really, really important to remaining relevant. Before we end, um, any, any last takeaways or any last thoughts that folks wanna share with our listeners? Um, for me, having our monthly meeting has been an eye opener and has also given me new resources and new ideas. Just listening to Dan, what works in his city, some of the ideas, I've been able to bring it back into my community. So being able to have these meetings and see different people's points of view, I'm able to take what I could do and see different ways of working. So having those monthly meetings has been very, it's been very successful for me. It's been a learning experience and I've been able to apply some of the new ideas that I would never have thought about. And it's good that we have different opinions and different people from different resources to come up with new ideas and new forms of working. I think for me, it's ask questions. You know, if you're not sure about something, if you want to know, you know, how something can be improved in your community in regards to whether it be testing or, or, or vaccines or any, any issue moving forward, ask questions, you know, who's doing what, you know, uh, who should be working together, um, what alignment opportunities exist, and um, how can we, how can we, uh, you know, open up a dialogue that, that allows or fosters those types of relationships to build. Because I think once people are put in a room together, they quickly realize that they should be working together, that they should align their efforts and, and, and uh, you know, maybe you're not, I'm not the person you should be talking to. You should be talking to so-and-so over here. They're, 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 they're great. They're doing, you know, similar work. I, I think when you begin a dialogue, a conversation, and usually that's by asking a question or entering a room you're afraid to enter, things like that happen. And that's where improvement uh, comes. When it comes to a uh, process improvement and innovation, it's something that it's continuous and like Dan says, you just need to keep asking questions and not always just settle with what has worked before, what is working now. Uh, things will always change. And there's that flexibility and adaptability component that will just really enhance you know, everything that we're trying to do. Thank you everyone for joining us today for this, this wonderful conversation. And uh, we look forward to continuing to, to build our partnerships in the interest of community-engaged research.
Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate us on iTunes and help us spread the word about the amazing research taking place across the Harvard community. To learn more about the guests on this episode, visit our website, catalyst.harvard.edu slash thinkresearch. Thank you.